Jamie. And we are taking you to Steinbeck Vineyards and Winery. Not to be confused with the author. Yeah, no relation. No relation. Although very close to Monterey and the proximity yeah. there. If also, there's you... like a Hemingway Vineyards that's nearby. Yeah, I actually knew that. I've seen that like <laughs> pop up a lot. So if you want to have a faux book tour, you yes. can go if to... If you want to sound intelligent but actually drink wine and go on tour, you could go to the Hemingway and Steinbeck. Yes. Very close That's together. a good idea. I know. Man. We should we come should. up with that. Um, anyways, this place is awesome. It's super rich in history. Mm-hmm. Like, way back, I think, 1800s. Yeah. Um, so, so just, it's rich, fascinating. Right? You kind of feel like you're at a museum. Yeah, it's really cool how they have the tasting room set up. Um, it's definitely very... Uh, like a lot of thought put into it. Uh, Cindy, who led us through the tasting, you'll hear her on the podcast episode talk about how she designed the tasting room to kind of start you at the beginning of their history and then lead you toward the modern day as you walk towards the bar. So that was really cool. A lot of um, really awesome stuff to check out on the walls. Yeah. Make sure you look at the pictures to the left yeah. of the wine bar. There's some good ones there of, of vines as well as like just some of their family history. Yeah, and they are one of the wineries that has like an add-on experience that you can book, which is a Jeep tour, and there's like three different kinds of tours that they can take you on, so be sure like if that's something that you're interested in and like getting out into the vineyard, hearing the story directly from them, that you check that out. I believe it was priced at $25 a person, which is pretty reasonable. Very reasonable. A lot of pricier options at other wineries, but yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to go do that. Yeah, me too. The wine was good too. I really enjoyed the cab. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite. Yeah. Very they, nice. You'll have to have the crash. Yeah, a lot of history behind the crash wine, which you'll hear about in the episode as well. But overall, we I can't believe that I had never been there. They've been there for a pretty long time and like growing up in the area, I'm surprised that I hadn't stopped in yet. So glad that we made the stop and we hope you guys enjoy the episode. Yeah, enjoy. See ya. years next year on this property and 136 in Paso Robles. Wow, that's awesome. Many years. So has this property always had wine grapes on it or is that something that like over the years just kind of ended up happening? When my dad's great-grandparents moved here in 1884, they planted grapes on a property about four miles from here, kind of out by Cass Winery. Okay. And then when their son got old enough, he bought this land and didn't plant grapes. Okay. And then my dad and mom picked it back up in 1982. So it was just 100 years later planting grapes on this property. What I understand is Grandpa Frank did have grapes, but a half acre. Yeah. And we've got 500 acres. Yeah. Oh, so. wow. That's huge. <laughs> That's a lot of grapes. Yes, absolutely. So let me get you going on the Viognier here. So everything on the tasting list today is estate grown? Yes, it is. And in fact, we at Steinbeck use 1% of what we grow. Everything else is sold to large wineries here locally. Oh, I like that. 
So it's very crisp and clean. Um, I prefer it a little slightly more toward room temperature. This has been in the fridge, obviously. But Viognier, to me, also does really nicely when it's a little bit warmer. Yeah. So the varietal is so true to this area. It just does great with hot days, cool nights, just like almost like a red that does really well. So you guys are family owned and operated. Yes, so you met my dad, Howie Steinbeck, when he was here getting ready to take yeah. a group out on a tour. He greeted us. Yeah, that was so cute. So yeah. 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 uh, dad's 81 and helps me around with the tours, but also is, drives tractor and does all the farm work still. And, then my son, Ryan, runs all outdoor operations, and his wife, Caitlin, runs our guest house. And then my son-in-law helps me with uh, winemaking, as well as wine sales, and my daughter helps me with social media. Okay. So nice. it's, a, it's a family affair, for sure. Yeah. Seven generations in all. So since it's a family-run business, is that just kind of how you got into it, or have you always just really loved wine in general? My background is in Christian education, okay. so I had a completely different former degree and former job. Yeah. And then 23 years ago, mom and dad asked me to move home to help with the operations, knowing that my son wanted to grow up here and also farm with his grandpa. And so as I was on a tractor, as I was doing the irrigation, as I was doing all the outdoor work, I started learning more and more about our generational history. And I was like, we need a, we'd have to start our own wine label. Yeah. So that's when I launched Steinbeck in 2005, six. Okay. So 06 was our first vintage that we picked. So before that, you just sold all of the fruit. Right. We, and we mainly still are farmers yeah. selling 99%, but we just keep back that 1%. Yeah. So that was 2006. And so we've got a great heritage in winemaking, but the earlier generation started in 1884 with wine and went till about 1950. So lots of history in wine, just this modern era is 37 years uh, with vineyards and uh, how many years with wine? Almost 15. Yeah, very cool. So you started to tell me, and I stopped you, that this was a blacksmith That's correct. building? Like... So in the old days, they couldn't drive six miles to go to Lowe's. They had to make their own tools or nails or any type of steel equipment they needed, like horseshoe. They made that out of chunks of steel. So this had been the blacksmith shop. So there was a big chimney in the center, and that forge that's over here, there's a glass tabletop. That's the old forge. So it's got, we've got the anvil, it's got the fan on that other side. So they would heat up the steel and then they would uh, forge or shape any of the materials they needed to. to That's so cool. Yeah. So yeah, the blacksmith shop. So what we did was we tore it down and saved all the tin siding and roofing material and then repurposed it. So some of it's inside and then you saw the exterior. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, very, very rustic with rusty old tin and, and uh, we, we kind of, the tension that exists we call rustic elegance. So when you step inside, there's like modern track lighting and things like that, but outside it's like, what is this place? <laughs> Yeah, no, I love it. Like, I want it to be, like, my living room. <laughs> hey, hey, that'd be fun. 
So is there obviously maybe a connection to the Air Force or something? Like it seems like there's a lot of planes. So a little ways down our wine list. Oh, you okay. See I'm jumping ahead. No, no, you don't need to worry about that. That's all right because the, the military pieces are prominent. We've got a wine called the Crash. And that's, that has its own story. It's a big story. Um, where in April of 1956, a military, old military plane crashed on this property. Oh. So there's a big story associated with that that we can get into more. But I donated a little bit of the crash to the Navy and the, and the Marines. And these were thank you gifts oh, to nice. our family. It's really nice. It's really cool. Really cool. Let me get you going on some Zinfandel here. Zin is known as a heritage varietal of Paso Robles. It is uh, a, a wonderful grape that grows great here. Where would I have seen your wine before? Like, are you in any restaurants or stores? Because, like, it sounds so familiar, and I don't know if it's just from being in the area or if, like, I've seen it or had it somewhere, and I can't. Mom and Dad have been partners at Everly Winery oh, for the past okay. 40 years. Everly just celebrated their 40th. Yeah. And so anything that says Steinbeck on the Everly label, which has been on that label since Everly started, it is grown here. Okay, maybe that's it. It's, other, other than that, there's a really famous author named John Steinbeck, to well, whom yeah, we are not yeah, related. <laughs> yeah, so we get asked that question pretty much every day. Are you related to John Steinbeck? And the answer is, if Cindy's saying the answer... The answer is no. But if my dad's here, he'll go, oh, Uncle John. And people are like, to shake your hand. And my dad's like, yeah. I like it. I like Although it. my dad's cousin and brother have won a John Steinbeck lookalike contest because there's such a similarity. But our heritage name on this property is Ernst, E-R-N-S-T. And that was my dad's mom's side because it was through his mom that this land was in I mean, I could see, like, assuming a connection, because Absolutely. that Monterey is not that far, and this is, you guys have a lot of property here, obviously, which is not common anymore either, like, so I could see jumping to that conclusion. I'm going to go with your dad's answer, I like it. Yeah, and, then, and then the Union Road Wine Trail now has the Ernest Hemingway Winery. Yeah. So I'm we're going to be Steinbeck and Ernest it. Hemingway two miles apart. It's so, so perfect. See? Perfect. <laughs> You, need, you guys need to open a little wine bar in the middle. <laughs> yeah, but... So do you do any distribution, or is this the only place to buy wine? We do. We have wine club. We have a very few restaurants and wine shops that we sell to. Yeah. Uh, a few locally, a few in Orange County. It's word of mouth primarily, the wine club, and then, of course, you know, the online sales. We yeah. get a little bit through that. But we make uh, about 1,200 cases, I think. Okay. Uh, is about where we're at right now. Uh, this wine that crashed uh, is the one I was talking about that commemorates that military crash. On the back label, we say that we do a military service. It is a blend of all of the varietals we choose for our wine label. So it's got Cab, Zin, Merlot, and Petite Syrah. Sometimes it has Viognier in it, sometimes not. This particular vintage does not have Viognier in it. So I'm noticing your current vintage looks to be 2015 with the exception of the union. So how do you decide how long to like, because most people are uh, serving 2017 right now. I think like, that's what we've been experiencing. Right. So this is a little bit longer in bottle or a little bit longer in bottle? It is both. Okay. So we keep it in barrel 
24 plus months for the reds in particular. The whites we do. We've got the 17 already bottled in the whites, but we just want to hold it. Viognier, by its nature, ages beautifully. It does. And so um, one year with the Rome Rangers, we showcased a seven-year-old Viognier just to show those customers and those fans of Rome varietals how well it ages. So we hold our reds in barrel for 24 plus months, and then when we bottle, we lay it down minimum of a year uh, before we release it. Another factor has to do with the fact that sales, we are not on the beaten path, and so we feel very fortunate that, that we may slightly be a bit behind, but my understanding is that a lot of small family brands are serving a little bit older vintages because we don't have mass distribution anymore. And I think we're right in our wheelhouse. We sell about 1,200 cases a year, which is what so we're making. California. So we're right in our target wheelhouse, but and I love the fact Steve Glosser is a winemaker. I don't know if you recognize Castleport and Yeah. Oh, I noticed you had a Castleport picture in the bathroom. Yeah. And uh, Steve uh, made Justin wines throughout the 1990s. He made uh, Adelaide Cellars in the early 90s, I mean in the early 2000s, and then Halter Ranch, he got off the ground. And so now he's been our winemaker our entire time in Miami. So yeah, we're very fortunate. He takes great care, makes great products out of the grapes we grow. She has. But there's so many little things that involved. Ah, the As you might imagine, folks that are in the military, uh, folks that have a heritage with the military, are very appreciative of the displays we have, the story we tell, uh, saying thank you on the back label to our military service I, th I think it's nice that that's kind of like picking up more momentum. I feel like more and more I'm noticing that. Agreed. In, in this area when we've been out they'll have like a wine dedicated to some sort of military that usually there's a connection whether it's like a crash that's the first time I've heard plane crash usually it's like someone was well, there's in the been military. a couple other plane crashes in our region too which is very interesting there's a there's one winery I'm not sure which one it is but it's uh, Fighter Pilot Red where I know that they are great supporters also yeah yeah it's nice like I kind of have a little bit of like a museum vibe where I, yeah. like I want to like I want to know all the things. Yeah, every single piece has a story. I'm yeah. sure. And yeah. So what? How I envision when I built is when people walk through those double doors, they're walking through our past toward what I believe is an important part of our future. And that is sort of a flow. And if people want to pause and reflect and really take a look, um, and so that's the concept that we built when we built this, is, is that you pass through history to the present. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So museum, I think, is the right word. So all yeah, of this wood was, um, I reclaimed it from a barn that was on the ranch that fell down um, probably about 15 years ago, <laughs> maybe more. And so I take that wood and use it for my picture frames and for uh, placement of important pieces on the, on the walls here. Yeah, I dig it. And I think people are drawn to history. I think it's something that 
maybe they don't know just how drowned they are, but when they step into this and they see the old cradle built in 1909, and they learn that 30 four family children slept in that cradle. Oh my god. Or a wine press that's date stamped 1874 that's still in great shape. Yeah. Um, there's a wedding dress on that back wall that Yeah, I took a picture uh, of that because everybody says a black wedding dress not really knowing that in history, Queen Victoria was the first to wear white in the middle 1800s, and she's the one that set the tradition. I didn't know that for white, and so it wasn't. It, I wish I would have done that before I got married. Yeah, <laughs> so black. I mean, Vera Wang is coming back with a black wedding dress. And, so, may I pour you some Cabernet Sauvignon? What is your flagship wine, if you will? Is it is it the cab? Well, as you can see from our tasting menu, uh, we don't make a lot of wines. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of different types of wine. And each and every one, for different reasons, is our flagship. Okay. Uh, the one white, we grow five whites, but that is our flagship in the vineyard. Uh, the Zinfandel is really important for us to carry that tradition forward from the old days when we have newspaper articles talking about Zinfandel. Um, the Cabernet Sauvignon, I would say, is because it's 60% of our vineyard, that's really important for us to do well and to carry forward. Ooh, that's good. My mom would like that. It smells mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I like this. Yeah. Uh, I like it a lot. It makes me, like the 15 is making me excited to try the 13. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you changed it. So. Another of the significant pieces we have in the tasting room are the photos on that bottom set over there. That is, uh, in the wooden frames there, that is our seven-generation history. So it's got a photograph of the original vineyards. There's a photograph of the original family, including my dad's grandfather as a little boy. So crazy. Then we've got a picture of his grandpa the year he passed away with his wife, Rosie. And behind them, amazingly, in that photograph is exactly where we're standing. Oh, okay. We'll have to check them out. Yeah. And then um, there are three tractor pictures in a row, one of which my dad and his grandpa are sitting on. Then my dad is the grandpa with my son, and then my dad is the great-grandpa with my grandson. So it's a beautiful set of photos. And then up above that is a set of vineyard photos, which is a one-year look, because we're into education here, vineyard education. And so those photographs, most people are here seasonally, and they might not see, they might not know what's happening in April or something like that. So. That's so cool. I'm I'm such a, a sucker for like a family a family deal and sheesh, you guys are really <laughs> going for it. That's a long time. Well basically I think what we're doing is keeping our history alive. I think that's so great though. And so are your kids are obviously and their spouses involved. Yes. Like do, are your grandkids old enough to be showing an interest in stuff yet? Or they are eight, five, three, and one. And <laughs> so. they as long as they get to so, play in the dirt, they don't really care. And that's I spent about half of my day yesterday was jumping in mud puddles with them. Oh, good and grandma. we get to drive tractor or quad or gator yeah. or 
So being outdoors, just allowing them to just thrive in the soil and the sun or the rain or whatever it might be. So I think you build that passion, not necessarily from a work perspective, although my grandson Bradley could name half the weeds that grow in the vineyard. And when the grapes are ripe, they love going from block to block, eating the different and tasting. They can, you know, sometimes they're in the wine processing facility when that's going, when they're watching. Uh, my three-year-old grandson lives to ride a forklift. I mean, that is his wheelhouse. So I would say, yeah, they're interested. Yeah. I feel like Axel would like that stuff, too. Oh, yeah. He already loves riding on the tractor. <laughs> That's great. This is an older Cabernet Sauvignon from 2013, and we try to have always an older wine open so that guests can see just how well our wines age. We do use true cork corks, very traditional. These wines are made to lay down 20 years, 25 years. We haven't done that yet, but our 06s, our first vintage, are tasting beautifully right now. Definitely like more concentrated notes. Like I'm getting like deeper berry. And this is a little bit like almost more ripe to me. And we've got the 13 open as well. The differences? I mean we'll taste the 13 I guess later. I want this with I want it with like scalloped potatoes. Um, or maybe I just want scallops potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want scallops potatoes. That sounds really good. Right? Beautiful wine, very well-balanced. Yeah, no, I want scallops potatoes. Darn you. I like this one. Mm -hmm. I don't. I think I like the 15. Like, I, I think I want, like, if I was going to just take a bottle of wine and drink it, I like the 15. But to take it home and have like, dinner, I like the 13. The caps are absolutely I haven't been ever. We even went to the. I think the 15 uh, cab was my favorite. Uh, dinner party yeah. down in the. I think my. I go like. 15, 13, Zinn, Viognier, no, Crash, Viognier. I like the ones that we had to taste it. Really? Because when we were here last time, I didn't. Ooh, library wines. I like how there's museum wines. We like the museum wines. Whoever's up with that marketing and. That is perfect. Yes. No, that's yeah. No, that's such the verbiage is it, like it's not only appropriate, but it makes it feel like more special. Like oh, maybe I do need that. Like it, yeah. Yeah. Everybody has library wines, but I've never seen a museum wine. Oh yes, yeah. Pretty fun. So you guys have a guest house. We do. How many, like, how big is it? What is it? Our guest house is a humble little vineyard home, uh, sleep six, three oh, bedroom, wow. two that's, bath. That sounds and, a little uh, bit more than <laughs> It is. It had been my son and his wife's home um, when they were first married, and it's just a lovely little spot, awesome. smack dab in the middle of the vineyard with no traffic, uh, dark night, no lights, uh, dark night skies. If folks like stargazing, yeah. fire pit outside, beautifully equipped kitchen. That does not sound like a, a humble little... <laughs> no, that sounds like somewhere that I would love. <laughs> yes, it's a very awesome. Space. Yeah, that's really cool. So, for the Jeep tours... Is it only for two people? <laughs> Our vintage uh, Willis Jeep, which is a 1958 Willis, uh, can hold 
two or four or even up to six people if people are willing to sit knee to knee in the back seat. And uh, we require reservations because only me and my dad do the tours. Okay. So and what's the cost for that? We do $25 a person. There are three modules from which to choose. <laughs> One of the things we believe, though, is when we can tell our story from our voice in the back of that Jeep, that allows us to... Um, to tell our story in a way that no one else is doing. Yeah. So are there only certain days that you offer this? Like, so, like, for instance, my dad is not, doesn't drink wine, but we got him to go to Halter Ranch one time and do their, like, their tour. So, like, is it only on the weekends or whenever one of it's you is based available? On availability. <laughs> Since there's only two guides, um, we just, uh, people call or email and then set it up and we just yeah. make it work with our calendars. That's so cool. So you have three different versions you were saying and then I, I know what to do. <laughs> uh, module one is sustainable farming. Okay. Why we do what we do to get that wine in the bottle to our big customers as well as ourselves. Uh, that means sustainable as in safe for our family, safe for our workers, and economically sustainable as well. The second one is sustainable family heritage. As in, how do you make it go for seven generations? Because yeah. the average family business that's handed down is perhaps two or three generations. Yeah. And we're seven. So we talk about that. We talk about all the pieces in here and the stories associated. And Dad bumps around the vineyard telling really fun stories. The third module is also story-based because I take my background in Christian education and we do a John 15 tour. And if you know the scriptures, John 15 is Christ saying, I'm the one. So we just sit in the back of that Jeep and I unfold that based upon what I've learned over the last 25 years in the vineyard. So it's sustainable life. So each tour is based in sustainability. So which one is your most popular? Module one is most popular. It's sustainable farming. People want to get behind the scenes. They yeah. want to know what's going on out there. It's fascinating. Yeah. It is. Very much so. So are you? do you guys do like organic or biodynamic or anything? Like any of those words or just trying to... practices. Yeah. So uh, we as a family, how we talk about it is we believe seven generations is a pretty good image of sustainability. <laughs> And we've been sustainable way longer than that word has been in vogue. Um, we do not farm organically or biodynamically, but we are um, we, we are sustainable. Yeah, uh, we don't have those certifications under our belts, but everything we do is safe for workers, safe for the environment. Yeah. For me, why would I damage what I need for generation eight and yeah. nine and ten? Well, and why would you want to put your family at risk out farming with you? That's exactly right. And so that is sort of the way we see all of what we do. Yeah. Is That's safe and sustainable. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, couple different um, aspects of our heritage that I think might be very interesting to folks. We already mentioned that we have this wine press that was 1874. Yeah, that's so crazy. We have these newspaper articles. One is from the Tribune in 1900 that says, among other things, names the family, the varietals they grew. Um, this sentence I love. They, I know, they, they do, not. do not make cheap wine. <laughs> you should highlight that. <laughs> and, then, and then this is also the Tribune from 1901. 
Someday or another, this area may be greatly interested in shipping this beverage. That was before Prohibition. And by the way, we just celebrated the 100th anniversary of Prohibition on January 16th of 2020. And our family somehow made their way through Prohibition, making wines, and uh, we don't quite know that story. Hopefully we'll be able to learn it. The, um, the, the main thing is that we love having guests, we love yeah. our product, but most of all we love our family and our story. Yeah. yeah. It's very important to us. You should always have your dad outside greeting people because <laughs> he was adorable. He's like, hi, welcome. And it's like, such yeah, a joy and a privilege so people get that opportunity to meet yeah. him. Yeah. Because there's there's not a lot of families that are four generations no. and that have someone as... Uh, He's just charming and yeah, cheerful. He was adorable. And happy yeah, and he was so cute. So yes. So come on out and meet Howie and Cindy and the family and yeah. enjoy some nice. Yeah. No, you guys have a great place here. I can't believe we've never been. Thank you for listening to this episode of Central Coast Uncorked. We hope that you enjoyed hearing the tasting experience from our point of view. If you did enjoy the episode, please rate, review, subscribe on your podcast platform and maybe even share it with a friend. Connect with us on social media because we will be posting places that we're headed and that we're recording at. So you'll get some inside tips that we don't release in the podcast. And you can also let us know where you think we should go. We'll see you guys next week for another new episode. Bye. Bye.